Welcome to the weekly worship service from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Bourbon A and Kankakee. In today's service, you will hear readings from God's Word, a message from our pastor, the Lord's Prayer, and a blessing for you and your family. But first, a few announcements about our ministry at St. Paul's. We invite you to join us for our weekly 5 p.m. Saturday worship service at our church located at 348 East Merchant Street in downtown Kankakee. We also hold weekly Sunday morning worship services at 8.30 and 11.05 at our school site, located at 1780 Career Center Road in Bourbon A. If you have any health reasons that might keep you away from in-person worship, please consider one of our alternative worship services, such as our worship page on our website, our weekly WKAN broadcast, and through our Facebook stream. You may also request an audio copy or opt for our podcast. All worship services and church information are available on our website at stpaulslutheran.net. The latest information on our response to the pandemic is available by clicking the COVID-19 tab at the top of the page. For more information about St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School, please call the church office at 815-932-0312. And now we pray that you are blessed by the Word of God in today's worship.
lesson for this morning is from 1 Corinthians 15, beginning at verse 20. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ the first fruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom of God to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he is accepted who put all things in subjection under him. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in all. Please stand for the gospel. chapter 25 where Jesus says when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him then he will sit on his glorious throne before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats then he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left the king then will say to those on his right come you who are blessed by my father inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick and or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer, truly I say to you, as you did it for one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me, naked, and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you? And then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. 
This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. We continue with our hymn, hymn 815. I'll praise to thee, for thou, O King divine. Today, in the name of our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. The text of the message comes from the Gospel reading. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, may we always be ready for your return and help us to minister to the least of these around us, and in so doing, we are serving you. As we gather, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, for you are our Maker and our Redeemer. Amen. In our reading, we heard. Then the king will say to those on his right, For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you? Or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. The text. The story is told that right before, close before his death, W.C. Fields was visited by a friend in the hospital. Uh, and a friend was surprised to find W.C. Fields sort of thumbing through uh, the Bible. Uh, and when he was asked what he was doing with the Bible, as he kept flipping through, a field responded, I'm looking for loopholes. <laughs> yeah. This is the last Sunday of the church here. And I think you've noticed these last few Sundays of the church here, the themes are a lot different. They have turned apocalyptic in meaning. They speak of judgment. They speak of the end of time. A couple weeks ago, I talked about that the, we had the parable of the wise and foolish virgins and talking about always being ready because Jesus, the bridegroom, will come and return, and he wants us to be ready for him. Last week, Pastor Drennan took a look at Zephaniah and talked about the, the warning about being complacent, right? And said, if God's children are always to be ready for the day of the Lord. We're to be ready as we stand connected to God through his word, and as we read it, and as we, as we uh, hear it in our worship, and as we go ahead and share that good news with the world. Helping them understand that the time is short. And people who do not know Jesus or have rejected him, they're lost. This weekend, we get another glimpse of the end. God's judgment. 
And it's a reminder to us and to the world that Jesus is at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, as we confess in the creed, and he will come again to judge both the living and the dead. Like W.C. Fields, so many times the world wants to sort of look for loopholes, right? Uh, with all the things going on in our world today, it gives you and me an opportunity to witness to the eternal nature of God. And more importantly, to speak of God and his actions at the end of time. Now this judgment scene, that's it, a little disturbing, isn't it? I mean, distressing. And it opens doors for a lot of distortions and misunderstandings. <laughs> Because we want to look for loopholes, right? I mean, we want to ask those questions. Am I a sheep? <laughs> I hope so, right? Uh, or am I a goat? I hope not. You know, and if words don't count, why will the nation be judged on the basis of what you did and did not do? You know, the more we think about this text, the, the more we want to sort of set it aside, look for something happier, like the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Uh, but after a while, we might get a little bit indigest indigestion as we're thinking about this. But we have to deal with it, don't we? But it's there, and you just can't put Scripture aside. And even though it might be difficult, we must think upon it and understand it. What does this text say for me in my life? I mean, that's the question we must answer, because this strange scene that Jesus unfolds involves all nations and all peoples, and that includes you and me. You know, back when I was in, in youth group, uh, one of the things we used to do was a, a scavenger hunt all over town, and I, and I think uh, youth group did that recently too, didn't they? Yeah, they did the scavenger hunt again. Uh, you know, it's quite simple at the beginning of the hunt. Uh, you're given all a list of all things you're supposed to accumulate, and all the kinds of things are on the list, right? Maybe you have to bring in an empty drink can, uh, or maybe the name uh, that's on the, the plaque in the front of the church, or or maybe Pastor Gritty's license plate number, I don't know. Uh, maybe a picture of the, uh, the whole group from that, that's doing this uh, in front of a, a particular building or, or a dairy, dairy Queen or a school building or something. The first group back with all the items and information wins. But before you win the prize, the leader has to check off each item, make sure you've got everything that you say that you have. Is that the way it's gonna be on the Day of Judgment? Jesus says the king is seated on the throne of glory and will gather all the nations before him. He will separate people one from another as the shepherd separates uh, uh, the sheep from the goats, right? Nothing personal you folks on the left today, right? The king then goes down the line. Well, let's see, you know, you once gave food to a hungry person, check. There was a time you gave a drink of water to the thirsty child, check. Visited the jail, check. Called on someone who was sick, check. Now, is Jesus suggesting that you make it in heaven by giving food to a hungry person? Or, 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 or do some kind deed to someone and you go, yes, there's my good deed for the day, my ticket to eternity, and with the rest of the sheep is secure. It would take too much effort to put that kind of emphasis on Jesus' parable about the last judgment and come to the conclusion that it takes just a few charitable deeds to get into heaven. Sorry, that's works righteousness. <laughs> but of course it works the other way around too, right? We read this and we realize there is no way that we've been kind enough and generous enough to win Jesus' approval and that invitation, come and possess the kingdom which has been prepared for you since the creation of the world. 
And so this can leave us for the parable with a sense of failure uh, uh, or guilt or shame. After all, uh, we've ignored so many people who cried out for help, but for some reason we're, we're too busy or too preoccupied or maybe even too prejudiced to help. What chance have we got of escaping God's judgment? To put it bluntly, about as much as a snowball, you know where, right? Of course, guilt can be a great motivator, too. We would rather be doing something else, but the feeling of guilt is what it did. It prompts us to do, to do more for the least important, the least of these. We know that doing something out of guilt eventually ends up being a chore, doesn't it? I mean, we do it not because we like to, but because we have to. And with that attitude, there's no joy in it. There's no generous spirit that's a part of that. I mean, we're like that child who does a chore grudgingly because they know if they don't, they're going to get into trouble and they're not going to get an allowance, right? Is that it? Jesus is getting, to do good, getting us to do good things through guilt? I don't think so. So Jesus isn't telling us to, that a few good deeds are going to pass the pearly gates or or he's not, he's, he isn't using guilt as a motivator to, for us to care for others. What's he getting at today? You see, the parable is asking whether we see Jesus in the face of the, the hungry, the thirsty, the stranger, the naked, the sick, and those in prison. The message of the parable is that Christ is mysteriously present to us uh, in those who need our help. When we see the loving face of Jesus in the face of the the, the needy and disadvantaged, then we will want to respond with love and meet that person's need. Of course, the other way is true as well. I mean, when we don't see the face of Jesus in, in the face of others, we will not want to reach out to them. We won't want to love them. Uh, and we could be quite harsh and judgmental uh, and critical. And so the parable calls us to show compassion to spring into action for the least of these, the least important, just as Jesus has had compassion on us, who can be considered the least important because of our sin and rebellion against God. You see, we worship a God who is entangled with the suffering of humanity uh, in, in our sufferings and the suffering of people everywhere. In fact, we worship God who chooses not to untangle all the knots and problems of our world from the safety of heaven. Right? It's what we're getting ready to celebrate in Advent. He invites us to, he comes among us. He invites us to be partners with him, to join our love to his love and reach out to the suffering people in our world. And this means reaching out to our sick friends or uh, making a meal for a grieving family or a family in need. Or welcoming the stranger here in church or visiting people we know who are, are doubting God's love and need words of reassurance and hope. Being understanding and supportive, maybe of members of our family, showing genuine love to our friends. In that way, what happens? We see the face of Jesus in the face of these people, and we minister to them in the same way Jesus administered to us in our time of need. But Jesus' parable goes even further than that. Remember, Jesus is talking about the least important here, right? The people. Others uh, whom others regard as insignificant. People who are easily forgotten. People that are out of sight and so they're out of mind. Right? The parable is about our faith in Jesus, our worship, ought to penetrate and be interwoven into the ordinary things, everyday things of our lives. 
You see, religion isn't something that just for a certain time of the week, right? You know, just for an hour on a Sunday morning. But it infiltrates every moment of every day. And the love of Jesus Christ makes us eager to do something for the least important people in our world today. Now, there's a story, uh, there's lots of, there are a lot of different versions of it, maybe you've heard it before, about Conrad the old cobbler. Uh, the little shoemaker kind of guy. Uh, he dreamed one night that Jesus would come and be his guest. And so he was up early the next morning. He was about decorating his little shop with flowers and greenery. And he put the table out. He had, he had milk and honey and bread. And, and he waited. While he was waiting, a beggar walked down the street barefoot in the driving rain. And so he called him in and gave him a pair of shoes. There's an old woman that came walking by, bent over, carrying the weight of a heavy burden, and he lifted the load off her back and brought her in and shared his food with her. And finally, just before the day was about to fade away in the darkness, a little child came by, uh, eyes wet with tears. Uh, she was lost, and he gave her a glass of milk and led her back to her mother. But for him, the divine never came. Conrad was disappointed. That evening, as he dozed off in front of the fireplace, the Lord spoke to him again, saying, Lift up your heart, I've kept my word. Three times I came to your friendly door. Three times my shadow was there. I was the beggar with the bruised feet. I was the woman who gave you, you that you gave food to eat. And I was the child on the homeless street. This is what Jesus meant when he said, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you've done it to me. Because we really don't have to look too far to find people whom Jesus calls the least. And half the world's population live on less than $3 a day. Uh, over 80 million, 800 million people don't get enough food. 840 million adults are illiterate. Uh, those that are in jail often do not have any hope at all. Those that have died without appropriate medicine, those who have lost their homes because of natural disasters. Jesus calls these people the least important, the least of these. And they're important to God. But for us, it's easy to see them as least important. And these are the people that we can ignore because of maybe it's a religion or race or lifestyle. They're people that we can easily forget because they're maybe too far from our shores. And we can't begin to imagine that kind of suffering because we have nothing like that here in the United States. They're the people that cause us to maybe look the other way, make us uncomfortable. But at the same time, these are the people whom Jesus claims to be among, or better yet, in the face of these people that we see Jesus. <coughs> so this brings me really to the point of the parable. You see, Jesus knows as well as we do, that our sinfulness, our selfishness, our lack of concern for others really get in the way of caring for the least of these. And, and he told the parable to focus maybe not so much on what we're doing, but rather on something more profound and basic. He wants maybe to ask, ask ourselves, what is my relationship with this Lord? This Lord who has redeemed me and saved me and loved me and, uh, from the beginning of the foundation of the world. My friends, as we uh, in this church here, we are awaiting the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in glory. 
And it's a time to look in, our, in the mirror honestly. Jesus wants you and me to realize and appreciate the impact that he has had on our lives through confessing our sin and, 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 and guilt and receiving that rich, free, almost over, overwhelming forgiveness from him. Our hearts and our lives, our priorities are just turned upside down because we are the least of these, aren't we? I mean, we're the naked, and he clothes us with his own righteousness. We're in prison, condemned, shamed, and guilty, and he visits us, he releases us, and he gives us hope. We're the hungry and the starving, and God sustains us by giving us his word, as Luther said, to remark and inwardly digest, right? We're fed by it. He feeds us with the very body and blood of his son to receive forgiveness, life, and salvation. And what he has done for us is what we then begin to do for others. You see, because of Jesus in our lives, our hands become his hands. Our feet become his feet. Our hearts become his heart. Our love becomes his love. And the least important, and really all of us sinners fall into that category, really become the most important in our eyes. I mean, if he has done so much for us, let's live that life responding to God's goodness. Let's share that love. Let's share that compassion. Let's share that forgiveness and grace and the good news with everyone that we know. In the presence of a holy God, all of us really are the least of these. And as we live for him, my friends, we will be ready for the glorious day of the return of our Savior Jesus. So let's actively wait as we love and serve others in his name. Amen. Please stand. And now may the peace of God that transcends all understanding guard your hearts and guard your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Dear friends, go with God's blessing this day. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen. Thank you for joining us in this time of worship. From all of us at St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School, we thank you for listening. More worship opportunities are available on our website at stpaulslutheran.net. Just click worship at the top of the page. May God bless you and your family each and every day. And again, thank you for listening.